Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. How's everybody doing this morning? So grateful for you guys coming and deciding to worship with us. Uh, if you need a Bible, please raise your hand and we'll have someone bring you out a copy of Scripture. That is your Bible to keep if you'd like. And even if you know somebody who has need of a Bible, you can take that to them, uh, that we love giving away Bibles. And so starting next week, we're going to start talking about um, the advent of Jesus Christ. Um, we've uh, been in a series that we've been talking about the gospel, and we're going to bridge the gap between the gospel and his advent uh, today. Um, and advent just simply means uh, the coming of someone of note, the coming of someone who's important, the com- coming of someone who's significant. And we know that there's a great significance to the coming of Christ. Uh, he came as a baby, yet we know as believers he's coming again. And so we're going to celebrate uh, the Christ of Christmas. Oftentimes in our culture, the Christmas season, how many people couldn't wait till you got through eating that last turkey leg last week and y'all start putting lights up already, right? Like you start putting lights up, you get to blow up snowman. We were, uh, Shay had came and spent time with us on, 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 on Thanksgiving. And she looked out the window in the backyard. The people that crossed the, crossed the way had already had their lights up. She said, you better get on it. They beat you to it. I said, they got me because I'm not putting down light up. Uh, not because I don't believe in the Christmas spirit, but I'm lazy. I'm not going out there and falling off no roof because y'all want to see lights. I'm not doing it. But we use this season to... Uh, portray ourselves as ones who have hope. Uh, we say that it's about family. We say it's about all these things, but we're not um, we're not immune to the troubles of this world during the Christmas season. As a matter of fact, the Christmas season is the number one season for suicide. Um, I don't know if it's just Western culture. Uh, I know we celebrate Christmas big here, uh, but in Western culture, it has become all about consumerism. The day after Thanksgiving, after you gave thanks and you've ate all that turkey, it's Black Friday and we got to go out and we got to buy stuff that you don't need anyway, but it's on sale, so I got to go get it, right? And like Christ is nowhere to be seen. It's the holiday season. It's the shopping season. It's the season for getting our kids all the toys that especially if you're, uh, you have younger kids, you buy all these toys and they play with them for like a minute and then they play with the box. But we got to have our kids have these things because it's what we do in this season. And so we easily forget, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we easily lose sight of the gospel and throughout the year. But please, please, please don't lose sight of the gospel during the Christmas season. Um. People in our culture, we believe that Jesus is good, but we need Jesus plus something else. Whether it's Jesus plus a good career, Jesus plus that good relationship, Jesus plus a family, Jesus plus a house, Jesus plus the party lifestyle, Jesus plus, Jesus plus. And we need to understand that Christ is sufficient and he is enough. He is all that we need, especially if you're a believer in him. And so today we're going to truly explore who Jesus is. He's not just a baby in a manger, even though we have all these beautiful things going on and babies in the mangers out there, we remember, but that's not who he currently is. He's much more than that. He's also not just some sacrificial figure who lived a pretty good life and got himself killed. He's not just this good teacher that uh, brought us these great principles that we should live by. And if we apply them to our lives, everything will be okay. And so in order to figure out who Jesus is in relationship to who he is not, we have to first go to his title. Now, contrary to popular belief, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Like Sam Jenkins is not Jesus Christ. Like it's not his surname. His daddy's name wasn't. Christ. It's his title. 
Jesus was the name that was given to him by his earthly father. The scripture says the angel appeared to Joseph and said, you shall name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. And so his name uh, was given to him based upon his purpose, but his title is so much more than that. You wouldn't go up to uh, President Trump and think that his first name was president and his last name was Trump. Or a king or a, 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 a sergeant in the army or a coach or a pastor. Those titles signify what they're going to accomplish or what they should be accomplishing. That's what those titles signify, right? You think president, you think he should be running the United States. And some people roll their eyes, but that's okay. He should be, right? You say teacher, you think that teacher should be teaching somebody. That's their title. Coaches, they should be coaching. My team's coaches ain't been doing too well lately, but that's okay. Uh, they should be coaching. That's what they're paid to do. So when we think about Jesus to Christ, we need to be thinking about what he should be doing or what he came to do. And so Christ simply means the anointed one. It's the Greek phrase for the anointed one. The anointed one. Anointed to do what? Anointing to do whatever God wants him to do. He's the anointed one, right? And it's the Greek phrase, Christos, where we get Christ from. And it's equivalent to the Hebrew word, Mashiach, or Messiah. And so Messiah, the anointed one in the Old Testament, it was, it was symbolic. There was a symbolic act of this anointing, and this oil was present. Well, you would bring the oil, you would apply it, and it represented to the people what this person was going to accomplish. And not only that, that they were set apart for the service of God. They were set apart for the service of God. Any old charismatics in the house, when you got a new house, you would put the oil on the doorpost, and amen, on the windowsills. Because that was symbolizing that this house is anointed and is set apart for God's good purpose. And some of y'all put oil on the house and it was just oily. It was not set of God for God's good purpose. You just, never mind, that's another topic. And so typically in the Old Testament, there was these three offices, these three offices where they were anointed before the people to let them know what God was going to accomplish. And not only that, that they were set apart for God's service. And that was the priesthood, that was prophets. And that was kings. And all of these three individuals utilized this Christos, this anointed, they didn't say this is anointed one, uh, in order for the people to know what he came to accomplish and what, came, and what he came to do. And some of you might be saying, well, if it was just for priests and kings and prophets, what makes Jesus different? Well, the Messiah, the Jewish people knew that there were these little anointed people, like King David was anointed to rule. And the prophet Elijah was anointed to, to prophesy. But there's going to come a one who's going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's going to supersede and he's going to trump everything that these little representations of what God wants to do uh, will do. You see, because the priest stood between God and the people. He represented God for the people and he stood between God and the people as a proxy. So he stood before the people on God's account. And so he went and he prayed and he lit sacrifices and he did things for the people to God and then vice versa. He got the word of God and he, and, and, and he, and he, and he spread it to the people. The prophet was God's spokesman. He said what God said. He said what God said. Now, I know uh, we got people here with the gift of prophecy, but your prophecy, your gift, is not like the ultimate prophet. You don't have the ultimate word. Your word is not like the words that are in here. And ultimately, you should be glad about it because in the Old Testament, if you prophesied and it didn't come together and it didn't happen what you said, you wouldn't be so many bold people getting in your business if it was uh, the way in the Old Testament because there were stones coming at your head if you prophesied and it didn't come to pass. And so they were set aside, they were anointed, and if they got it wrong, I'm sorry, you got to die. Who would want that job? That's why you see prophecy, the old school prophets, they were like, God, I'm not going to go tell them that. Because if I go tell the king what the king should be doing and the king don't like what was heard, if I go and prophesy about what's going to happen and it doesn't come to pass, a lynch mob is coming my way. 
And so we have to understand the boldness of what these anointed ones did. And finally, the king was the leader of the nation of Israel. God didn't want them to have a king. God wanted to be their king, but they begged because everybody else had one. And God said, I'm going to give you a king because you're begging for a king. But listen, it ain't going to go well for you. You're not going to like it. You would rather me be your king. And so all these offices were held by men who God set aside for his service. However, there was one to come named Jesus and occupied all of those offices. He was the ultimate Christo. He was priest. He was king, is king, and is prophet. Forgive me for my tense. So what am I saying this morning about Christ? What am I saying about Christo for us in this Christmas season? What I'm saying is Jesus should be the center of the Christmas season. Why? Because he is the sent one of God. He's our priest. He's our prophet. And he's our king. And so don't get tripped up on all these baby in the manger scenes. Don't even get tripped up on the crucifixion. Those are things that are important to our faith. They're important to what we do. But as we go through this Advent season, we're going to see that Jesus is the center. And because we're going to be talking about hope, peace, joy, the chances are some people will hear hope, peace, joy, and they'll pursue it, but they won't put Christ in the center. And if it's not based around or built around Jesus, then it's not lasting. It's only temporary. It's fleeting. And we need to say, Christ, I want you to be at the center this season. So why should we put him at the center? Because all those prophets before, they prophesied about him. And he came. Why is that significant this season? It shows us that God keeps his promises. God does what he said he's going to do. Now, some of y'all looking at me stale face this morning because I haven't said a couple of jokes yet, but listen, this is a somber message this morning because we need to understand this. We need to understand that God is not playing about being our king. So much so that after, that, 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 that after centuries of them waiting on the promised king, they had gotten so much despair. They were so, 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 so just, 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 just angry at God in, in, in some cases. They began to do their own thing, and God showed up on the scene. And why did he show up on the scene? Because he has to accomplish his purpose in the earth. And you are a part of that. This Christmas. Christ has to be the center. The prophets spoke about him which say that Jesus came for a purpose. Most of us are good with him just being born a baby. I'm good with God. Like, who's good with God coming down as a baby? That's awesome, right? God came down as a baby, and that means he loves us because he, he wants to spend time with us. He wants to tabernacle with us. His name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. That is awesome. Like that, like thank you, God. Like who wouldn't be cool with a baby? Right? Like, babies are so cool. Like, ooh, you know, like, this is like that's, that's so cool. But that baby had to grow up. Because that baby had a purpose. Some of us are okay with, 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 with Jesus being a deliverer. Like, we're really okay with that. Like, the consequences of sin don't have to fall upon me. Like, I'm good with that. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for the assist. I'm good with that. Who wouldn't want to be delivered from their sins and the consequences of sin? However, there's a certain aspect about Jesus that we need to reflect on this season that some of us ain't okay with. We attempt to rob Jesus of the fullness of who he is because his very existence confronts us. It's a truth that's hard to face who he really is, even at Christmas time. And so, 
Jesus had performed a lot of miracles and uh, was proving who he was to Israel. And then the Gentiles around him were seeing who he was. And so Jesus rolled up on his disciples on that trip one day because Jesus was going around. He was healing people. He was feeding thousands. He was calming seas. He was casting out demons. And so he rose up on his disciples. In Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 29, he, he asked a question. And the scripture says, And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked the disciples, Who do people say that I am? What's the word on the street about me? What's going on in my, uh, on, on my wall on, 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 on Instagram? What they saying? What's Twitter talking about me? You know, Twitter can be petty. What, is, what are they saying on Twitter? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. Isn't it interesting and funny how the world has this understanding of Jesus, but it stops just short of God? Right? Like some people, oh, man, like he was a great prophet. Peace be upon him. But he's not God. And some will say, well, you know, him and Michael, the archangel, they, 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 they're they created beings, so he was just this archangel. And some will say he was this great teacher, awesome teacher. And some will say he was just this religious figure, but um, 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 he didn't want people to follow him. And others will say he's just a figment of our imagination. He never really existed. But if he's real for you, then that's okay if he's real for you, because that way you can live the way you want to live, and I can live the way I want to live. And so all the people, even then, after seeing all these things, after hearing all of his teaching, it was like, well, like, he's like Elijah reincarnated. He's just a prophet. You know, every, there's people in the room right now got gifts of prophecy. You know, like that, that's, nothing, that's, that, that's nothing great. But then Jesus asked a poignant question to his disciples. And I'm praying that most of us in the room today are disciples. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? What say ye is what probably, I don't know if it says that in King James, but that sounds cool to me. What saith ye? What you got to say about the matter? I heard what the streets are saying. What you got to say about it? I know what your mama and them said. I know what your big mama and them said. I know what the people in your neighborhood said. But what do you say about me? Like Jesus is a personal God and he will come in your face and he will confront you with who he is. And here's the thing. We have to do something with this baby who was born in a manger, who grew up to be a man, who was resurrected. And now we have to do something with him. That's the beautiful thing about the Advent. We celebrate his coming first, but then we celebrate that he, he's coming again. And now we're celebrating who he is in between. What do you say about Jesus this Christmas season? Or do you say anything at all? Is it just business as usual? Peter answered him, you are the Christos. You are the anointed one. I understand they're saying that you're Elijah and that you're a prophet or that you was all this stuff. But here's the thing. I understand that you're greater than all that. In another account, it said, Peter, flesh and blood did not tell you that. That came straight and directly from God. And so if we're born again and we have the spirit of God dwelling on the inside of us, we have to be confronted with who Jesus is. And we have to get to the understanding that you know what, Jesus, you are the Christ. You're the Christ. But again, what does all that have to do with anything? I'm glad you asked because we're getting there and we're halfway through. He's God. He's God. Now, if that's the truth, this Christmas season, okay, we're going we're gonna to have some great Christmas messages leading up to Christmas Eve and, and come out 530 Christmas Eve. We're gonna have, it's going to be awesome. Man. Invite your friends. It's going to be great. But right now, we got to deal with Jesus. Because everything that we build upon will not make any sense if we don't deal with this. If we don't stand upon this fundamental truth, he is God. 
And so in, for, in order for us to view Jesus correctly, we need to understand, we need to wrap our minds around the concept that he's 100% God and 100% man, and that blows my mind still. But I believe it's true because the word says so. I believe it's true because I believe that Jesus was a historical figure, and the people who say he never really existed, like they, their argument is dying. There's archaeological evidence. There, there, there's written uh, evidence. And now, you know, they didn't write it down for 100 years after his death. No, 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 no. We fi we're finding the earliest manuscripts to be 30 years after his actual walking on earth. And even if we, there were earlier manuscripts, just because we ain't found them yet don't mean they ain't there. That's how archaeology works. You go dig in the backyard, you find something. Oh, I didn't know it was here before. Now it's here. But there's no other book of antiquity. Listen, if you're going to believe any other historical book, any other historical book, and you're going to believe it above the Bible, then you don't understand how history works. You don't understand how, how the integrity of original documents work. There is no other book that even holds a candle to the Bible. And that's God preserving his word. Me and one of the elders were talking the other day. We don't even know, uh, like, how things are going. But, like, you know, we're at a place right now where, like, people don't even read no more. And so maybe we will start making audio books of the Bible. I don't know what we're going to start doing, but we got to maintain his word. And he's authentically God. He's authentically human, 100% and 100%. And those two natures never mix. It's critical to our faith that we understand this Christmas season that Jesus was not created really wasn't December 25th anyway, but he was not created when we celebrate Christmas. He was not created. Some of y'all saying, well, I, I, I'm not trekking with you. Listen, he's eternally the son of God. He's always been. But God did something where Jesus, who has always been eternally the son of God, he stepped into time because God exists outside of time and space because God is the creator. He's the only thing that has not been created. And before there was anything that we can identify as time and space, there was God. And he spoke, let there be, and then there was. And so God being outside of all of this spoke and he created man in his own image. Genesis 1:26. he created man in his own image and we were created in the likeness of God, but then we fell. And so God devised a plan even before he created the earth that he was going to come in and save us. And so this is the culmination of what we celebrate, him stepping into time, him putting on human flesh. Listen, again, he was not created. He's always been. This is what we call the incarnation. Him becoming flesh. The Bible says he's the only begotten son. And so C.S. Lewis says it this way. Things that beget can only beget things like them. Birds beget birds. If you ever have a parakeet and he spits out a dog, we got issues. That's a logical. Hey, unless he's done in the in the in the in the in the, in the, in the you know sciences, they're doing all kinds of stuff that goes against nature. Now I don't know what they're doing in labs, but naturally, monkeys beget monkeys, humans beget humans, right? Now, we humans can create things that are not like them, but we can't beget things that are not like us. So God only begets God. So don't let anybody trick you and trip you up to say, well, he never said he was God, but he was the only begotten son. And even then, then so Jesus did claim to be God. And we're not going to that, that's out of the scope of our message this morning. But he's eternally God, the son. Meaning he has the same essence and nature of God. He has the same makeup as God. This morning we were playing with the in-ear monitors and I had stuck one in my ear and it had a little wax on it. Y'all don't get too grossed out. And I handed it to SJ and he kind of looked at me sideways. I said, we swimming in the same gene pool, brother. We, you, I beget you. <laughs> he still didn't put it in his ear, though. <laughs> That's not nasty. That's my son. That's my seed. <laughs> he's, he's like trying to disappear over there. <laughs> and so he became something that we could fathom because God is, he's just so unfathomable. His ways are beyond tracing out. And so God, in order to show his love for us, he became like us. He begat himself. He's always existed. 
He was incarnated at a moment of time, taking on the form of humanity. Listen, Jesus is not God masquerading in the body. Jesus is not God masquerading in a body. If that was the case, the sacrifice would not have been valid. He has to be 100% man. So what did he do? Took on a body. A womb was prepared for him. And he was dead. Why is that significant? Because he has all the same frailties, all the same, 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 same weaknesses that we have in our human flesh, except without sin. And so Jesus knew what it was like to get hungry. We say hangry. Jesus knew what it was like to get hungry, but he didn't get hangry, though. Like Jesus knew what it was like to go to the bathroom. Jesus knew what it was like to endure temptation, yet without the sin. That's why he could be a perfect sacrifice for us. That's why the baby had to be born. He's not an illusion. Some the Gnostics will say, well, you know, uh, he's not, he's not, he wasn't flesh. Like he just appeared to be flesh. That would be a lie. He was born. And so let's look at some scripture to, 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 to back up some of these foundations. Because I know some people in the room, we might come from different backgrounds and different um, uh, uh, um, schools of thought. Look at Colossians 2.9. It says, for in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In him, if you don't know what deity means, it means God. In him, the whole fullness of God dwells in his body. He's fully God, yet fully man. Philippians 2, 5 through 7 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, by taking the form of a servant, being born in human life. Just have this mind in you that he is the form of God. And he didn't want his God, Godness, if that's a word, to catch us up. So he said, you know what? I'm going to take on the form of a servant. I'm going to become just like them. My favorite is Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1, it says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our father by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, capital S, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Now, did I just read that Jesus, the world was created through Jesus? So he had to be there in the beginning. I think I read that right. Yeah, I think I read that right. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Now, I don't know, uh, how, you know, how y'all minds work. When I hear exact imprint, I think exact likeness. Right? Like Maya, she looks a lot like me. People say, that's your little twin, but she's not the exact imprint of me. We're similar. We look alike. She's cuter. You say you got that right. <laughs> but she's not the exact imprint. Even twins are not the exact imprint, right? And so it's saying that he is the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is not only deity, he's a bad boy. Like, if Jesus were to, like, like just choose not to uphold the universe, everything just goes in all disarray. Physicists and scientists, they, they, their minds will just be blown because Jesus decided not to uphold it anymore by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as a name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Verse 8. But to the son, he says, your throne, O God. Now, God is talking to God and saying, your throne, O God. Last my check, God was not schizophrenic. God did not have multiple personality disorder. God didn't talk to people who weren't there. He says, to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. 
And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Again, Jesus is the God of creation. Now, unless the Bible can't be trusted, he's God. And so many of us in this room, we agree with all these statements. We read the word, we're like, okay, you got me. Jesus is Christ. But what does that really mean? How does that really impact my life? I'm going to tell, and we're going to finish up when I talk about these four things. Here are four ways of our life. Here are four ways our lives should be impacted by the notion and the understanding that Jesus is the Christ, which means he is God. Four ways. And there's more ways to it. This is not an exhaustive list, but we're just going to roll with these four. If, true, if Jesus is truly God, the events of the Bible are the most important events in human history. In yellow, we need to live our lives like they are. If Jesus is truly God, what we find in here are the most important events in human history. It's not your interview next week. It's not your birthday that's coming up. It's not who's the president of the United States right now, the elections, who you voted for. It's not the wars that go on around the world. Those things are happening. The most important thing, events in human history are found here, if he's God. We have to be confronted with that truth, and we have to make a decision. Is he really God? And if he's really God, we, 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 we shouldn't be sitting here talking about, is the Bible relevant? Because if he's God, he is who he says he is, and he can do what he says he can do, and Jesus deserves our attention. But what are the barriers to it? Like, this is my small group, so don't yell it out, so I'll, I'll answer for y'all. So what are some barriers to it? And so for y'all don't know, some, you know, a good small group leader, so y'all don't know, we learn how to play Jedi mind tricks. We make you think you came up with the answer, but we push you towards the answer. I mean, What should we be doing with this? How should we be living? Well, what are the barriers? Well, I know one of the barriers, I'm just too busy. I ain't got time for all this book written 2,000 years ago talking about how I should be, I mean, like, like you can sit there all day and you can talk about, like, how I should be treating my spouse and my kids and, and, and all that kind of stuff, but they, 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 they were just different back then. Tony Robbins has a better, more evolved way of thinking about those things. A Oprah. Got an Oprah book. There's a reason why self-help books are the number one book sold in the Amazon store. Because we're always looking for a better way. We always look, but all we have to do is go back to the most important book. And oftentimes, some of the top, they will admit it, some of the top ideas or thinkers in business will say they got these biblical principles. And they just shifted it up a little bit. They changed the words a little bit, and they found five. Oh, I'm doing it right now. They found five keys to success. And we buy it hook, line, and sinker. Why? Because we're busy, and I'd rather just read that book and apply it to my life and then see how my life goes. And then that really doesn't work on us. So we figure out that we can't microwave our faith. Can't do it. Tried it, didn't you, Isaac? Didn't work, did it? Nope. Take it, put it in the oven. Let it slow cook. Put it in the crock pot. Let it slow roast. You can't do it. It's impossible to microwave your faith because faith is about the journey. And so if Jesus is God, we need to submit our hearts and submit our lives to him, and we need to live like the Bible's important. We need to learn to slow down. Here's another thing. If the events of the Bible are truly the most important things, we talked about this last week, we should be sharing it. We should be sharing. I use this illustration all the time because it works. You share that sale. You share that funny video. And we even, sometimes we even put captions. This gives me life. They ain't gave you no life. They gave you a chuckle. And we share it. That's what the share button there for. Every website you go, they got a share button. 
Even at shopping carts. You checking out on Amazon, they tell you share what you just bought. Just, just make it easy for you just to share. If this is the most, if Jesus is God, this is the most important thing. We live our life like it is. We need to share it. Because this is good news. This is the gospel. Secondly, if Jesus is truly God, his followers belong to him. We don't like that notion of belonging. It, it just brings up like thoughts of slavery and oh, we oh, one of those things rowing the boat. You know, those big rowing the boat. Oh, oh. we don't want to be no slaves. It's boring rowing the boat. Well, if Jesus got you rowing the boat, you better get down there and row that boat. If he's truly God, his followers belong to him. We need to live like we are his. That's a challenge right there. I, 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 you know what? If you don't think it's a challenge, think back to your childhood. When your mom and daddy told you to do something and you didn't want to do it. And I don't know if you have parents like mine, but as long as you in my, like you minds. And we found out that you can call people to come to tell them on your mama. She said, I wish you would call them. I'm going to make you pay for that phone call. And then she threatened. And I'm, I'm glad they're going to come get you. My mama packed my bags one time. I'm going to beat you and I'm going to put your stuff on the porch so they can come and get you. They're going to take you to jail too, right? I wish they would. Well, you know what? I'm, let me rethink this. I'll never say I'm calling nobody ever again. It didn't stop me from getting the beating, though. But it stopped me from acting like I was going to call them people. We need to live our life like we are his. What does that mean? You have a Lord and Master. You have a King. You do what the King wants you to do. Jesus said it quite succinctly. He said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Now, I know that sounds very Bible and over here, but listen, if you love me, you do what I say do. Simple as that. If you love me, if I'm your Lord, you do what I ask you to do. I'm sorry, but I tell you. We've translated it. Oh, Jesus just asked me. You know what, what's the last thing the Lord said to you? Well, he asked me to go. No, Jesus don't ask. If you're perfect and you know the beginning from the end and you're a God, you ain't got to ask because you know the outcome. Right? Like, you go over there and, and if you would, just no, 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 no. I know that this is best for you, so I'm telling you to go and do it. Now, whether we do it or not, that's a different story. And Jesus knows even when we're not going to go do it. And so he, asks, he tells us anyway because he's given us free choice. And so we need to live our life like it. And so what's the barrier to that? Sometimes fear. I don't know if it's really Jesus. Anybody ever just, I don't know if it's Jesus. It's me, Jesus, or the devil. Well, first off, you don't want to do it, so we know it ain't you. And the devil don't want to see nobody blessed, so we know it wasn't the devil. Any minute, well, we took out any minute, and there's got to be more. Like, we just lose our minds sometimes when it comes to things of God, right? Like, we act like we ain't got no good sense. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to. I don't know. My wife used to do that to me. Hooking up the VCR and stuff like that. I don't know how to plug these wires up. Can you come and big strong man come and you got those strong men in there too? Let me come and hook that VCR for you, girl. She knew full well. Then you go out of the country for 10 days, you come back, VCR hooked up. How'd you do that? I just I, I Googled it or something. I don't know. It must have been the Holy Spirit came upon me and I just stopped pushing wires. You know what to do. But fear. Like God's going to ask us to do something that's going to ultimately hurt us. And listen, God does ask us to do things that hurt, but it's not to hurt us. Fundamental difference. He asks us to do stuff that's going to hurt, and it only hurts us because we're so stubborn and sinful. God's going to ask me to go ask them, uh, to forgive me, and they were the one in the wrong. But just go do it if God asks you. 
You don't know what level of healing. You don't know what can come of that. And so just go do, because God is not going to try to do, tell you to go do something that's just going to utterly destroy you. You what? I'm not, I'm not going to pray that prayer, God. Have your way, because he's going to have his way. Because you haven't resolved in your mind that he is God. And we don't want to forgive. And we don't want to ask God who I should date or who I should marry or what I should watch on TV or this song or that song is inappropriate. If I should go there or not go there. If I should stop and pray. We don't want to ask God those things. Why? Because we want to be our own boss. We don't want a boss. We want to be our own boss. God, how should I spend my money? God, should I talk to my kids this way? And I trust me, the Holy Spirit will tell you. He will. 66 books, pick one. Existing Christian community. We make it so, so hard because we want to play dumb. So the question is, have you given him authority over all these areas in your life or all the areas in your life? God, you can have my finances, but you can't have my emotions. God, you can have my marriage, but you can have this dark, this, this secret dark sin that I, no, 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 no. You can't have my recreational activities, God. You can have all this other stuff, but when you start coming for this, I put it behind my back like a little three-year-old. We need to live our lives like he is and not like we're self-centered. Number three, if Jesus is truly God, this is awesome. We have access to heaven. If he's truly God, if he's truly the Christ, if he truly came to do what he said he was going to do, we have access to heaven. We need to live like we do. I, I, look at, I, I look at myself in the mirror when I preach this, these next lines. Christians sometimes are the most defeated people on the planet. It's like we ain't got no power. Like we don't have a bank account in heaven. Oh, you know, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just trying to, just trying to. Why are you still trying to? And truth be told, are you really trying to? Or you just thought about it a couple of times. Well, you know, I was praying one time. I thought about it. That means I'm trying. That works nowhere with any other discipline. Right? You want to be a good keyboard player. You want to be a good volleyball player. You want to run. Tra- like you, If you want to do those things, you put in the necessary work to do those things. And some people, like, that do it at the highest level, they put the work in every day. The 10,000-hour rule. I try. How long did you try? Well, you know, three and a half weeks, and it didn't work out. Tried to make it to the NBA, shot some jump shots in the backyard. It ain't for me. <laughs> so you try for like three and a half weeks in your backyard? You didn't go to 24-hour fitness with other people? That's what we do in our Christian walk. And it sounds comical. It sounds funny. I want to run a marathon. What are you doing? Man, I've just been sitting on, on the sofa watching other people run marathons. It looks fun. <laughs> Eating donuts. This sounds comical, but that's how we live our Christian life. I want to be a man of prayer. Are you praying? Well, I ain't started yet. I'm reading books on prayer. I want to turn my relationship around. What are you doing? Nothing yet. Get a little date night. Sit down and talk to your wife. Sit down and talk to your husband. We have access to heaven. We need to live like we do. And here's the other part of it. We are no longer alienated from God. The veil has been torn. We have direct access to God. We need to live like we do. I'll move on because that one's going to get me in trouble. If Jesus is truly God, last one. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and here's the one. In this season, we need to understand 
and right here, right now. He's not far off in the ethos. His presence is here. It didn't end when he died on the cross and was resurrected. His presence is here. And here's what we need to do. We need to believe that. So when we show up in, the, in here and we sing, here I am to worship, we're not worshiping the monitors that we're looking at. We're not worshiping the experience or the service. We're not worshiping the act of worship. We're actually worshiping Christos, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when we show up here, we need to bust open those doors like, I need to live like I'm coming to worship God. When I'm walking down the street or when I'm at my job or wherever I'm at, when I'm on I-35 at 4 o'clock on a Friday, oh, my God, I need to act like Christ is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. Yeah, he's sitting in the car with you when those four, five, sixteen-letter words come out. Yes, he is. We're on the internet, and I love internet habits. He's there. Hmm. Like Jesus over your shoulder. Would you still be looking at it? Come on, move on. When you're about to go off on your spouse or your boyfriend, girlfriend, or your, or, 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 or your children, when you're about to lose it, it's present. And he knows. Uh, we always in the well, well, Jesus knows my heart. That's the problem. He knows your heart. This is the Christ of Christmas. And so we've separated ourselves from God. We've separated ourselves from Christ. We've separated ourselves so much that he's just kind of this figment. He's like, anybody, I always just show I'm so hood. Like, anybody, like, have an uncle that stayed with your big mama? They kind of just stayed in the back, and he just didn't, like, he came out to eat, and that was just it. He was family. Look, everybody, I guess I am hood. I'm not the only hood person. But, like, that's, that's, like, that's what happened. Like, he was just there, but he really wasn't there. He was a part of the family. Every once in a while, he'd come out, he'd say something profound. He's like, oh, that. Actually, fine. probably doesn't make sense. Okay, I see you. And you go right back in this room. That's how we treat Jesus. Jesus is just an uncle in the third bedroom. And I call on you, Jesus, when I need some help, like moving the sofa or something. But until then, go in there and watch Jeopardy. Just go in there and just do what you do, Jesus, wherever you at. Just do what you do. And that's not okay. It's not okay. Because he knows our shortcomings. He desires to transform our lives. And here's the thing. He's the one who can do it like nothing or no one else can do it. So he's here right now. Probing our hearts. Asking us to come to him. Asking us to make a decision. Make the decision to allow me to be on the throne. Make the decision to give me total control of your life. He's asking, do you trust him? And we got to get to a place where we trust him. And so in light of Jesus being right here, right now, I've asked Gabe to lead us in the song of reflection. And in the upcoming weeks, we're going to be talking about Jesus being our hope. Jesus being our joy. Jesus being Prince of Peace. And Jesus being love personified. But my fear is we'll preach those sermons, and if we don't do the exercise right now, if we don't take the moment right now, some of us, to rearrange some of the clutter in our hearts and in our lives. To allow him to be Lord, to allow him to be God, to allow him to be the Messiah, to allow him to be the Christ over our lives. 
We could be preaching the best sermons and singing the best worship songs, but it does nothing. And we just come in week after week, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, and and we're still the same soiled hearts that we, when we first gave our hearts and our lives to him. And this is not about making you feel guilty or less than because you haven't seen transformation. But it is about provoking you and convicting you to understand that nothing else matters. Not only in this season, nothing else matters in the scheme of things. Like quite honestly, and I know some of you, your naysayers, you're going, oh, but what about my job? And my Bible said men don't work, men don't eat, naughty. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Christ being preeminent, Christ being the most important thing. Because if you live the life like my life, jobs come and go. And sometimes, to no fault of your own, they just close the doors. Will your world come crashing down when that happens? Will your world come to an end if you can't afford the gifts that your kids want for Christmas this Christmas? Will your world come caving in and crashing down when that relationship just ceases to be and it was nothing you've done and you've cried and you've tried and he still walks out the door and she still walks out the door? Will your life just come crashing down there? It can't. And if it does, it's because we've made idols out of so many things. An idol is simply something that we place above God no matter what it is. Anything that we place above God becomes an idol because he's preeminent. And so for the next few moments, I almost preached another sermon. And so the next few moments, I just want you to evaluate in your own heart as we worship. God, what are those areas of my life that I've hidden from you? What are those areas of my life where I haven't seen you fully as God and I've been so bold and I made the dastardly decision to not give it to you? I said, no, God, I'm going to hold on to this because you're not sufficient enough to take it. I know you said to cast my cares upon you, but God, your shoulders aren't big enough to carry my load. So for the next few moments, just evaluate your walk with God. And if you can't identify an area, ask him, God, is there anything in me? God, I want to stand before you with a clean heart. And as you think on those things, and as the worship team worships, I'm persuaded that God will speak by an impression bringing something back to your memory thank you for listening if you would like to know more about us please visit us at anycommunity.church